the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And we are back after an 167-hour hiatus from the premiere of the last week's episode, I guess. My guest tonight, today, whenever, is Don Ecker, whom I've known for two decades or more. Don is a writer, a researcher, a commentator, currently living in the Los Angeles area. He is the former director of research and media liaison for UFO Magazine, he uh, is internationally renowned investigator of the UFO phenomena, a former law enforcement officer, a criminal investigator with over 10 years experience, and he has brought a legitimacy to the field that has for years suffered from being painted with the fringe brush. He, uh, and this is, this is the part that is kind of important to me. After graduating from high school in 1968 and spending a year in college, he joined the United States Army. He was selected for the elite Army Security Agency, where he volunteered for special operations. He served in Southeast Asia for 26 months, was wounded twice and decorated, and then returned to the United States. In 1986, while a member of his police department SWAT team, he was wounded, which led to his retirement. While he was recuperating, he started to research and write about the UFO mystery. So he brings a historical knowledge to this. He uh, has been studying the phenomenon for literally decades. He uh, understands that there has been a conspiracy of silence about the history of UFOs and the uh, U.S. government, and that he believes that as citizens we have a right to know everything that's been going on in the world of UFOs. So I'm going to uh, chat with Don about all of this and other things. Uh, Don... Ecker, welcome to A Different Perspective. And Kevin, as always, it's a pleasure to be with you. How have you been? I've been fine. 
I've just been wandering through the woods studying various UFO cases, which kind of leads me to the, the point. You sort of uh, quit the UFO field a number of years ago. Is that still kind of a current, or have you modified your stance? <laughs> well, actually, uh, no. When I, when I said I quit, I, I did quit. Uh, I, I also do a radio program. And often uh, will uh, delve into some cases if they interest me. With the uh, primary uh, uh, thing being interesting to me, but I've got to got to tell you, I've never lost my fascination with whatever this enigma may be. Uh, although I have grown, as, as you and I have discussed many times in the past, very disillusioned with the current state of what, it, what is so-called research. Would you care to expand on that point specifically? I mean, I understand what you're saying because I've seen the same thing, and it looks to me like we do the same things over and over again, meaning that other people come into the field and they don't bother to do the historical research and make the same mistakes that we made 20 years ago without the benefit of our knowledge. I mean, is that sort of where you were coming from? Oh, <clears throat> absolutely. Uh, one of the problems has been, in, in my humble opinion, uh, going back a long time, when I decided back in the mid-80s that I wanted to examine this in depth and detail, uh, at the time I was going through physical rehab after I was, after I was hurt. And uh, <clears throat> that, as I was researching this, I suddenly recalled that back in 1981-82, while, <clears throat> excuse me, I was a lead criminal investigator on a couple of animal mutilations that I recalled how my department acted and reacted to the case I was investigating. Basically, it was, it was uh, I was encouraged to shovel it under the rug, okay, and, and move on. Now, it was after I retired, after I medically retired, and I purchased my first <clears throat> computer system. Don, let I, me interrupt uh, you. Don, let me interrupt you here because we're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk specifically about animal mutilations and your purchasing of your computer. Uh, and uh, we'll take a look at some other things. We will be back right after this. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. Now in Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. 
This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st Century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at www.drgibbswilliams.com. Shamanism is recognized as a method to access the quantum level. Mastery of shamanic skills puts spiritual information and healing power into your hands. Path Home Shamanic Art School, a bonded Colorado certified occupational school, has met rigorous state standards ensuring its director and instructors have the qualifications to teach the shamanic arts. Path Home offers a certification program in blocks of study. Block 1, a five-day intensive, will be held in the beautiful mountain town of Coldale, Colorado, October 13th through 18th, Registration deadline is September 12th. Experience journey trance, power animals, helping spirits, sacred space, and life purpose. Come discover your power. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, in the magical world of shamanism. Call 303-775-3431 or visit findyourpathhome.com. And we are back with my special guest, Don Ecker. And I say special guest because I've known Don for years and years and years. We're fellow Vietnam veterans, so we share that. And uh, there are probably fewer than less than less than 1% of the country uh, is really a Vietnam veteran, although lots and lots of people claim to have uh, served there. So we were talking about your interest in uh, animal mutilations or how you became involved in UFO phenomena through animal mutilations. You were talking about having bought your first computer back in the early 1980s. So let's pick it up right there. You bet. When I purchased my first computer, I uh, made the mistake of getting a telephone modem. Back in those days, that was how one went about going online to visit uh, uh, the, the wonderful world of computers, which was just then really starting to come into its own. And uh, I discovered a, uh, an organization called CompuServe. Now, CompuServe, in many ways was somewhat like the net is today. 
Uh, it had various departments in it. It, it was uh, a pay-as-you-go service. The first computer modem, which you had to have in order to go online, uh, that I had was a 300 baud. Now, Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. That was, I mean, that that's so slow that you you wouldn't believe it today. But yes, um, I, I, I I laugh I laugh because my first computer was 64k of RAM. And current computers play the music at what 180k, 128k per per second. So you know, it it just cracks me up. And I think that the people who uh, tuning in now and are younger don't understand how slow and cumbersome these things were. So you no, found they were, comp- they were marvelous. <laughs> you found CompuServe, which had a UFO forum, as which I never, by by the way, participated in, but it did have a UFO forum, and that was sort of what sucked you into the cattle mutilations and the UFOs. Well, yeah, I I was on something called the Issues Forum, and while I was on this at six dollars and and so many cents an hour, because you had <laughs> you had to. You had to pay hourly hourly rates. Uh, I stumbled over some uh, files dealing with with uh, cattle mutilations. Now, Kevin, I got to tell you, at the time, and we're we're talking now thirty years ago. At the time, it was uh, like that old Ford. I think it was a truck commercial where the light pops on over the guy's head. Suddenly it was like, oh my heaven! Look at look at the yeah, I I know about those, and I began reading up on it, and this was during the period of time when I had decided I wanted to really look into and investigate this, and for my own purposes, I had done an extremely intensive about six roughly six month research project where I haunted libraries, bookstores used books, all kinds of things, trying to get reference material on this subject. And one of the people that uh, I really credit for having led me into this, either credit or blame today, I guess, was uh, Major Donald Kehoe, who uh, had been a Marine Corps aviator, one of the leading, literally the leading lights in UFO research back in the, uh, uh, well, the late 1940s, the uh, early, excuse me, early 50s. We can say, we we can actually say Kehoe kind of launched this thing because it was his magazine articles that appeared, I think, in True Magazine, uh, UFOs are, or Flying Saucers are Real and that sort of thing, and later his books that came out in the 1950s sort of uh, focused 
the UFO spotlight on the government conspiracy to keep the things hidden and how they were having secret investigations, but telling the public that they weren't interested. So Kehoe, Donald Kehoe is a key figure in the beginning of the UFO phenomenon. So Kehoe leads you to uh, the UFO research and, and uh, animal mutilations. Yeah, well, him and then another fellow that sometimes I do not believe get his due is a uh, former uh, author, researcher, investigator, John Keel. Now, Keel, as a matter of fact, when I, when I got out of the Army and I came home, uh, just about the time I went on uh, my, my local PD, uh, I used to subscribe to Fate magazine. And I had read in one of the uh, issues of Fate, somewhere around 1974-75, the fact that Keel had a new book coming out. Now, Keel was a prolific author, uh, had written a number of books on the UFO and and other paranormal phenomenon. And this new book was described as being basically a bone-chilling foray into high strangeness that took place around 1966-1967. The name of the book was The Mothman Prophecies. Which was, so made, into a, which was made into a fairly bad movie. A pretty, really bad movie, yeah. Okay, but, I wasn't know, sure well, what you I, thought. I've got a little story about that, too, concerning Keel. <laughs> but uh, at any rate, uh, when, the, when the book was finally published, I immediately got my copy, and I sat down, and I devoured it. Now, Kevin, i got to tell you, when I read that book, and this was circa 1976 or 77, I literally had sleepless nights having read that book because where I grew up in central western Pennsylvania, we were only a couple of hours by automobile from where all these incidents took place in uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And the Ohio Valley, and during that period of time, even though I, although I did have a UFO sighting then, uh, in December of 1976, I was unaware until I did my research that that entire part of the country during those, those years were absolutely, there was a flap of unknown proportions And when I say a flap, I'm talking about uh, sightings happening everywhere. New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, West Virginia. And the part that was really weird about his investigation involved cryptoid creatures. In other words, apparently animals that were, quite frankly, impossible, but yet hundreds, if not thousands of people, were experiencing something. Now, what was also unknown during that flap period, there were cases of of people reporting missing time events. Now, whatever that was, who knows? But they were reporting that. They were reporting their pet animals dying disappearing or being mutilated just about all facets of the phenomenon were happening and i ended up getting i found uh 
through some people I knew how to get in touch with Keel, and I ended up calling him up. Now, this was right after I had been informed by the state uh, director for MUFON. I was then living in the state of Idaho, and he told me about a case that crossed his desk. He was a friend of mine, and I, as a result, ended up joining MUFON for just one year. But he told me about a case that involved a hunter in the state of Idaho that had disappeared and then had been discovered that was mutilated. Now, this came to him via a police officer. That put me on the track for about, well, a little over three years of trying my hardest to investigate this new aspect, to me at least, new aspect of what appeared to be human mutilations. And for three years, I busted my head against a brick wall that just was impenetrable at the time, and I suppose it still is. But uh, I had uncovered a number of other situ of occurrences where uh, people had been mutilated. Now, Keel put me on to a couple of cases. Well, let me let me ask one, you one quick what one quick question here, which is, are you suggesting that the mutilations were related to UFO phenomenon? Related to it, yes. Caused by it, who knows? Well, can you expand on that one point? What do you yeah, mean by yeah, related to it? Okay, related to it. The very first case that, that crossed my purview was the case in Idaho that happened. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, I did a report on it that, that is still uh, online. I know it was online for years, titled Yum Mute. And uh, so if anybody is interested, uh, this paper that I ended up writing was circa 19, uh, I believe it was 1989. But uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the individual, the body was discovered by a couple of other hunters who came across this, this body. Uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Now, this was what I found, as being a former criminal investigator, so strange about this. When the body was found, the only clothing articles he had were a pair of underwear. Okay. Later, his clothing, including shoes and socks, were discovered a couple of miles away from where the body was discovered. He had been mutilated just like the cattle cases that I personally investigated. He had an eye excised his, uh, I mean, this, this gets pretty graphic. I don't know how graphic you want to go. I don't want to go but, very graphic at all, but uh, I, th I think we, if we, we say sort of a classic cattle mutilation, mutilations to the human body. Yes, yes. And his feet, this was the other really highly strange aspect of that case, was his feet were unmarked, not as if he had been walking through the through the woods in the forest barefoot. No, uh, he hadn't been. Uh, now, I'm speculating now, and I'll be the first to, to say I'm speculating, but as if he had been dropped down 
into the brush from a high. Now, when I talked to John Keel about his, and he was, I might add, very reluctant to go into a lot of detail. But I talked to him on the phone for a couple of hours, and Keel had told me of two cases, one that happened in Mexico, just below the Texas border. Now, I don't recall anymore what the time period was. It was I'm going to guess now, and I'm going strictly by my memory, which isn't great these days, but it was sometime in the 60s when some people were driving down a highway in Mexico when a body literally dropped out of the clear blue sky onto the highway. Let me interrupt you there, Don, because we're going to have to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we will explore the human mutilations that Don or John Keel talked about and the one that uh, Don the we're going family style deal because i want a bite of your big mac and i need some of your quarter pounds. i'll try your filet of fish there's a deal for every friend group at mcdonald's order any two classics for just six bucks price of participation may vary single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer geico asks how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance of course you would and when it comes to great rates on insurance geico can help like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Himself investigated, and we will... Uh, do look a little deeper into the ufo phenomenon we will be right back after this remember you are listening to a did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or wi-fi you can still listen to the exome radio show with rob mcconnell the science of magic with guilda wiaka High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming, 24-7, 365. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting-edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real-life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone. That's right. 
transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash Xzone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. my good friend Don Ecker. We were talking about human mutilations, which is a topic that I often try to avoid. But uh, since Don brought it up, we'll run with that. When we went away, Don, you were talking about John Keel had mentioned to you in your conversations with him about two cases of human mutilations that took place sometime in the 1960s. And you were talking about um, witnesses having seen the body fall from the sky or fall out of the out of the air uh, when we went away. So we'll just pick it up right there, if you don't mind. Sure. So, of course, you can imagine how you would react if you were driving down the highway and suddenly a body, you know, splat all over the highway. They immediately, according to John, slammed on their brakes, jumped out, looked up, expecting to see an airplane, and they saw nothing, okay, nothing. Now, the Mexican authorities were contacted, and uh, God only knows what happened to that case or how it was explained. But the other case, and he was not very forthcoming about this, happened, according to him, allegedly in New Jersey. Now, i got to tell you, Kevin, I I had very, very mixed emotions about whether I wanted to pursue this or not. I mean, at least when I was when I was a cop, uh, you know, I knew I had the department behind me. 
But now suddenly here I was confronted with something that, uh, you know, basically I was, I was jumping the dark water all by myself, but I got to tell you, I was so fascinated by this. And I, you know, I, I just had to, had to dig a little deeper. So I was at the time when, uh, right after I talked to Keel, I was attending some classes, some computer classes at uh, Boise State University. And one of the guys in the class with me was a detective with the Boise PD. And I had another very, very good friend that I had been a partner with that was uh, uh, had had left the department that we were with and had gone to a, uh, a sheriff's department. And I thought, you know what? I've got these two contacts. Actually, it ended up being three. So I'm going to try a little something. So I asked my buddy at the Boise PD and then my other, my other friend uh, at the sheriff's department the exact same questions. Would you do this for me? Would you do an inquiry at NCIC, okay, the National Crime Information Computer back in Washington, D.C., which is kind of a central database for law enforcement all over the United States run by the FBI? and put this criteria, this search criteria, into it. The states of Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Nevada, and Montana, okay? Those are the geographical locations. Look for any murder, unsolved murder cases where the human bodies had been mutilated, and I explained what I was talking about. And any cases where there was uh, any aspects of high strangeness, and I forget now what exactly I I had asked them, but uh, would you guys run that for me? And they both told me they would. Now, the guy at Boise PD, when I talked to him about this, told me, he said, look, he said, this is a big search. He said, it's going to at least be a week, he said. Uh, and it, as a matter of fact, it might even be more than that. So, you know, don't, don't expect instant results. Well, <clears throat> three days after I gave him that search criteria, he called me up at home. And he said, hey, Ecker, he said, what the hell are you trying to get me into? And I said, well, what are you talking about? He said, look, he said, I got called in by my lieutenant. And brother, he chewed my backside up and down about this. And he said, that was after I was notified by NCIC that they had zero, no cases matching that search criteria. And any further inquiries will have to be made with the proper authorization. He said, I'm telling you, he said, I don't know what's there, pal, but something, somebody is sitting on something. I bet my life on it. Well, I basically got the same thing from my buddy at the sheriff's department. So I included that into my report okay, that, that I released online. And it was, oh, I don't recall now, a week, maybe two weeks later. And I got a phone call. 
from a guy in Florida. Now, okay, my phone number was not, you know, was not out there, out there. And I found this kind of strange, and this was actually before caller ID. If I'd have had caller ID and I didn't recognize the number, I may not have answered it, but I did. And he told me who he was. He was with the DEA. And I'm thinking to myself, the DEA? And he said, look, he said, I read your report. He said, and I got to tell you, he said up front, I thought you were full of it. But he said, I made some inquiries. And he said, for what it's worth, and you don't know me from Adam, so, you know, whatever. But for what it's worth, he said, there is something there. He said, but if I were you, he said, I'd watch my P's and Q's. And I said, what do you mean you'd watch your P's and Q's? He said, you don't want to disturb something that shouldn't be disturbed. Now, he was, in essence, giving me warning that I should not pursue this. Well, I did. I did pursue it. And I kept pursuing it. And this was when I was with UFO Magazine. And in July of 1991, I wrote a big report up in the magazine uh, about my research up to that point. And, oh, boy, after it hit the pages of UFO Magazine, Kevin, did I get, uh, did I get the hate and, and what have you thrown at me. Now, this, incidentally, was something I... The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. I thought about later when I decided to leave UFO research. You remember the X-Files. Everybody, and especially our age group, was addicted to the X-Files back in the 90s. And in the office of Special Agent Fox Mulder, he had a a poster on his wall, and it said, I want to believe. And it it had a Billy Meyer UFO there. Well, unfortunately, many people in the UFO arena gravitated to that because they had all these visions of rainbows, cotton candy, and unicorns when it came to the UFO topic, they thought to themselves, well, any, any civilization or species or whatever that could master spaceflight that came here would have to be wonderful and would have to be benign and only looking out for our best, you know, interest and our best benefit. And, of course, that's pure poppycock. Uh, there's nothing to suggest that either way. So, you know, I upset a lot of apple carts, and a lot of people were very disturbed by that. And, but, I mean, how does this get us to the UFOs? We, we kind of started out with animal mutilations. We've moved to human mutilations. You suggested a connection, uh, but, but I don't see it at the moment. So what, well, I, what never, I never stated that there was any ironclad proof that they are, in fact, intrinsically related. Understood. These, I'm sorry? 
I said, understood. I understand that. I'm just saying you, you suggested there was some sort of a connection in the here. Event, in the event of, of animal mutilations. Now, okay, you're not out here in the far west, but, but you're in, in middle America, and I'm sure you have talked over the years to some cattle ranchers. Now, especially the people that were involved in, in livestock as their livelihood. And I've known a number of ranchers. I've known them in Colorado. I've known them in Idaho. And I've known them in uh, Nevada. I met them through, you know, through UFO magazine. And I've talked to a lot of people on the phone. Now, these guys regarded the phenomenon of mutilation as being uh, detrimental to their livelihood, the livelihood of themselves, their families, uh, their business, which, in fact, it is. And over the years, I've seen a lot of cases where these guys have gone out of their way to protect their livestock, and inexplicably, they will find dead and mutilated cattle all over the range. Now, these guys did not take that, for the most part, lying down. They would go out. As a matter of fact, at one point in the 70s and the early 80s, they even banded together in groups uh, like night riders back in the Old West, where they would be out riding the, the range, okay, trying to protect their cattle. I will, I, will take this, been, I will take this one step further, because in that time frame, I was in the Iowa National Guard as a helicopter pilot, and we were on a night mission, a night training mission, and one of the, one of the other helicopter pilots called and says, you're not going to believe this, but we're taking fire, and it was farmers or ranchers who knew that helicopters were involved in some of the cattle rustling going on, and they were, they were taking pot shots at us. I suggested we return fire for fire received, but nobody thought that was a good idea. So I understand what you're saying here. The ranchers, the, the farmers, the dairy farmers, they were quite concerned about the uh, deaths of their livestock. Right. And, you know, this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, there have been reports that go back to the 50s. Now, being a cop, in all those years, it never made the, the least tiny little bit of sense to me that no one would ever be caught, shot, arrested, or prosecuted for the, for the crime of cattle mutilation. And I can remember on some cases I was investigating in Oklahoma, okay, where I was told, well, we're, we're pretty sure that uh, this is some kind of satanic religious cult. Well, Kevin, you know how law enforcement would go about something like that. They would try, if that in fact were the case, they would try to insert some informants or undercover agents in something like that to find out what the real story was. And I had one, I had one police officer tell me they were convinced that whoever was conducting these mutilations were taking out uh, apparatuses that morticians would use to drain the blood out of these bodies, because that was another aspect to the mutilation, a real cattle mutilation the crop well, Don, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to interrupt you at this point because we're going to have to take another quick break. 
But we will be back with Don Ecker in just a few moments talking about cattle mutilations and draining blood from the cows. And now we're getting into vampires. So we'll be, we will be back right after this. As host of Dialogue with Divinity, I am thrilled to join the Exxon Broadcast Network and their growing number of affiliates. My quest for a connection to the divine ignited my successful career path as an international spiritual counselor for over 40 years, an author of four books, and well-known metaphysical educator. My clients call me their spiritual mama. So my job is to offer you a radio show to help you grow spiritually with wisdom and get specific tools from guests who are experts in their field. Tune in to Dialogue with Divinity and be part of the conversation with Spirit. My goal, your happy soul. For more information, please visit my website at johannacarroll.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, High Tech with Corey Kay, and every minute of the 24-7, 365 programming of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 712-432-9459, courtesy of TalkStream Live. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 712-432-9459 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember, 712-432-9459 for the best of paranormal, new age, thought-provoking, sci-fi radio programming 24-7, 365. soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. This is Kevin Randall. For nearly 30 years, I have been investigating the case of the Roswell UFO. I have interviewed hundreds of people and stood on the crash site. 
Now on Roswell in the 21st century, I have reviewed dozens of hours of audio and videotaped interviews, examined hundreds of files that relate to the crash, and have returned to Roswell in an attempt to put all that information into the proper perspective. For the first time in Roswell in the 21st century, I have made a dispassionate reevaluation of all that material and provide a new look at what happened. This is a book that clears away all the clutter that has hidden the truth for so long, strips away the various lies that surround the case, exposes the Air Force attempts at cover-up, and found a core of solid information that tells us all where the case stands today. Roswell in the 21st century will be available in just a few weeks. For more information, please visit my website at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. What Happened in Benghazi is revealed by Nicholas Genix, author of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. He informs the American people that President Obama deceived them by advocating a strong foreign policy prior to the 2012 presidential election, and Hillary Clinton supported this deception. As the title infers, there is a connection between Obama, Islam, and Benghazi. Ample evidence informs Americans that Obama's early indoctrination in the Quran developed an infinity for Islam, why the Quran is the source of discontent in many countries, and why the Obama foreign policy deception led to poor military action and caused the loss of American lives in Benghazi. Genix provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Afterlife expert Roberta Grimes was the first one to say that dying can be fun. Now her best-selling book, The Fun of Dying, is available in stores worldwide. So if you wonder whether death ends life, how it feels to die, or what heaven might be like, The Fun of Dying was written for you. And if you have always been afraid of death, or if you worry that your life has no meaning, let The Fun of Dying ease your fears and bring new meaning to your life. Nothing said in The Fun of Dying is based on the teachings of any religion. Instead, Roberta draws on evidence to explain how death happens, how it feels, and what comes next. A lot of the best death-related evidence was produced in the first half of the 20th century. When it is put together with recent discoveries, it tells a consistent and amazing story. Roberta Grimes blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Her wonderful book, The Fun of Dying, is available on Amazon and at stores worldwide wherever books are sold. We are back with our final quick segment here, and Don has led us into the world of cattle mutilations, which is not the direction I wanted to go, but uh, sometimes these things just get away from us. As I said, you know, Don Ecker has uh, written an awful lot of books or magazine articles, done a lot of work in the research of UFOs, and was considered one of the leading experts. His uh, expertise was sought out by any number of documentary producers, and even the Walt Disney World, when they produced their uh, alien ride, which the name of of it escapes me at the moment, their alien encounter, I guess. uh, The Extra Terror Estrial. There you go. Was 
was asked to uh, set the whole thing up by bringing a number of experts in the UFO field to Disney World for a couple of weeks, which uh, was a fine trip for an, a number of us. So we, we thank you for that, Don. But while we were, what we were talking about were the animal mutilations and the reaction of the ranchers and the farmers uh, to finding their, their animals killed and mutilated in that way and, and the, the response you were getting. So if you want to continue in that vein, let's have at it. You you bet. I let me let me finish up there and you mentioned the Disney thing and I've got something you may find interesting about that. But the uh <clears throat> the bottom line was this cop that I was talking to was a high ranking police officer tried to convince me that somebody had gotten, uh, and I don't know what the name of the, the equipment is, but what morticians use to uh, drain the fluids from a body they're preparing for a funeral. And uh, that they took this thing out into the field and were trying, or were using it to drain the blood out of, out of cattle in the field. Now, <laughs> anybody that knows anything about livestock, uh, about free-ranging cattle. Know that, number one, they're a very, very spooky animal, especially if you try to approach them at night when the preponderance of all these mutilations were happening, Kevin. And the bottom line was uh, it just never smelled right. So I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'm going to suggest that they were as confused about this as all the rest of us. Well, I know that uh, in my investigations into that, and one of the avenues we explored was the satanic ritual thing. And that was back in the uh, uh, 80s when the satanic panic was going on and the, the Satanists were uh, uh, abusing children in, in uh, preschools and all kinds of stuff like that. And there just was never any physical evidence to suggest that was a, a proper solution. They couldn't find anything. And when uh, people were questioned specifically about it, it went off in different directions. So the, the um, evidence simply did not support that. So the tani satanic idea, uh, the, the idea that some of this was going on based on, I guess, earth people just never, never bore any fruit. Uh, no, and let me, let, me, let me make a quick segue now into the Disney thing. And I, I want to get this out before we have to shut it down. Uh, in In November of uh, 94, I was contacted at UFO Magazine by the Disney Corporation out of Orlando. And they had this new attraction that they were bringing online called the Extra Terror Estrial uh, Attraction, which, if you remember, when we were down there, uh, one of the big things I really looked forward to was getting an advanced look at this thing, which they did not give us an advance look. But they asked me to put on a two-week UFO extravaganza. And I literally contacted and brought to Orlando the very top UFO paranormal researchers in the United States. Kevin, you were one of them, many others, George Knapp, Zachariah Sitchin, uh, uh, General Brazel, who was the son of Jesse, or I'm sorry, Marcel, who was the son of uh, Jesse Marcel, uh, just people that were impeccable for the most part. And Disney spent a tremendous amount of money on this. 
they flew us down there, they put us up, they fed us for two weeks. Now, I was there the whole time because I was heading this thing up. And uh, the researchers that I brought in were each there for a week. And <clears throat> the thing that never made sense to me, they even brought a TV production down there to uh, shoot a special that Disney only ever aired one time in the middle of the afternoon with no promotion. Virtually nobody saw it. And for the two weeks that I had the top UFO researchers in North America at Orlando, Disney never did one second, not one, of promotion. We had virtually nobody come to see this that any other in any other venue uh, the re the research community would have killed for a uh, a chance like this now it never made sense to me until uh, within the last couple of years I talked to a guy who wrote who wrote a book about media and government complicity in basically uh, finding out what the heck was happening in the UFO arena. And uh, it finally became clear that this was the days before the Internet. And I am convinced that somebody in the intelligence military establishment wanted to know what was at the highlight of UFO research in 1995. And somehow they worked hand-in-glove with Disney, which incidentally is not unheard of, to bring all these people in to find out exactly what we were up to. So, the bottom line is, if you think that the government has not been concerned with uh, the UFO field, uh, i just point you at that. Now, I'd be interested in your response to that, Kevin. And I was going to say, I was going to break in to say, you know, this makes sense to me because this is just prior to the Air Force beginning their big investigation into the Roswell case. And I know that I was there, Jesse Marcel was there, Don Schmidt was there. We were talking about the Roswell case and how important it was. And it's about the time that the Air Force launched their big investigation into uh, what was happening in Roswell and uh, began their activities to suppress that information, which I detail in, in uh, Roswell in the 21st century, how all of this sort of uh, comes together, including the nonsensical Project Mogul answer that we, we were uh, given about to, to explain what happened at Roswell. So this makes, this makes some sense to me. That was an awfully good way to determine exactly what was going on, what areas were being explored, what areas they would know what areas were important uh, to them, and what areas well, were sort of nonsensical. You, it had to strike you as odd that there was virtually no audience there. None. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I, the, the thing I remember is it, we had we had a, enough free time, and I'd go ride the, the train because there was really nothing else to do. But yes, it, it was odd that there wasn't much of an audience there, and it, and it makes perfect sense. If you want to know what's going on in the field, bring the people who are most outspoken in it, uh, to a central location and have them pre present uh, programs or discuss what's going on uh, to get a, a feel for what is important in that field, especially if there's something that you wish to hide and you'll know who's coming closest to the proper answers and who's taking it off in bizarre directions. That makes perfect sense to me. 
So that that's a little footnote in UFO history that most people today, if they know anything about it, the only thing they know is Disney shot a documentary that nobody ever saw about UFOs. Well, I know they and I know they spent a carload of money because we went out to dinner one night and the bill came to like seven hundred dollars. So, because <laughs> uh, we weren't concerned about the prices at that point, you know, given who was paying for it. But I, I just remember that one dinner. I, Russ Estes was there. George Knapp was there. I, I don't remember who all else was there, but we had this this huge dinner at one of the best best of the Disney restaurants, and it cost a carload of money. Um, the final and, insult to me was when. Uh, right at the end of this whole process, I was at dinner with a bunch of the participants. Some young Disney drone come running up to me, and he said, Oh, Mr. Ecker, he said, could I see you a second? So I get up, and I followed him out, literally, Kevin, into a dark hallway, okay? The Disney honcho that was ramrodding this, and I forget now his name, came walking out of a side room, Another kid came running up carrying a cardboard box, and instead of doing this in front of the participants, this was, like I said, in a hallway, he reached into the box, pulled up a Mosker. You know what that is? No. That's a Disney Oscar, okay, Mickey Mouse, a ceramic Mickey Mouse that said, thank you, Don Ecker, from the Disney Orlando Publicity Department, and... uh handed it to me, and then they all walked off. It's <laughs> a nice but, job. But you got a Oscar, which is more than I've ever gotten, so you're yeah. ahead of me on that one. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, so anyway, by 2006, by December, I got to tell you, I just had my fill of all the nonsense. And I said, and my wife, who was the founder of UFO Magazine, said, we've had enough. It's well, I, under- I understand that. I understand that. We're just flat out of time at this point. But I understand that. I, I feel frequently that it's time to just punch out of the field because there's just so much nonsense going on, so little that's being done properly. I still get sucked back in to do things. Uh, like I said, I just did the book Roswell in the 21st Century, which deals with this in depth. I continue with my blog at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com talking about UFOs. So I'm sucked into it. But, Don, let me thank you for uh, spending the time with us and sharing some of these very interesting insights into the UFO field. Uh, well, next week, you're more than welcome. And, and, yes, thank you, Don. Next week, we will be joined by Keith uh, Chester, who has done some great work.